Hey everybody, Jess Intuitive Angel Healer here with your Grounded. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today and welcome to another episode of Dancing in the Toxic Shadows. Finding empowerment and hope through the toxicity. This is a podcast that features an empowered soul swim through the toxic waters of life and how they have found the courage, strength, and blind faith used to obtain the life that they truly want to live and how they encourage others how to take that same leap of faith, no matter if they can only see the first two steps or not. All right, everybody. So today we have a special guest, Miss Amanda Carlson, and I'm going to hand it over to her and she's going to tell us all about her survivor story of the toxic shadows. So go ahead and tell us all about it, Amanda. Okay, well, you know, it's kind of a a little bit of a complicated story, but that's kind of why I think it makes a little bit unique that I have a a little bit of understanding of a lot of different people's survivor stories. But I actually am the eldest child of eight children between my biological mother and father. My dad has six kids and my mother has five. I have one sister that has both the same mother and father as I do. But I am the eldest child, so I'm 32, but my brothers that are 15 years old. Then I actually have a 10-year-old son who's going to be 11 soon and a 3-year-old that's going to be 4-year-old in a couple weeks as well, myself. So he, they have uncles that are their age, so they kind of, you know, it, it, it's a weird crossover, but it's a little bit unique. However, my story kind of is that of a unique one because I, in just explaining my story and myself is there has been no single moment that has been an aha for me. It's kind of been survival for the, from the beginning, unfortunately. And I'm very vocal about mental illness, mental health, and getting diagnosed for reasons. And I do, I have absolutely no shame in saying what I have that I have, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD, CTPSD, all, whatever, all the letters, got them on. The point is, is that a lot of that was caused from growing up and living in survivor mode. And when your body has, and a lot of people don't realize this, is when your body is in fight or flight mode, your body, your physicality body is in fight or flight mode as well. And I kind of was forced to face the hardest part of my journey about six years ago. But my relationship with my biological father and I, has always been um, challenging at best, we'll say. And I didn't really see him much as a child. And there were reasons for that, such as state ordered reasons and things of that nature. And he, he chose and made some very bad choices. And unfortunately, I had a complicating factor that changed a lot for me when I was 13 years old. What was just a bump on my head turned out to actually be cancer. And it actually turned out to be an extremely rare form of bone cancer penetrating my skull. So I went in from what was supposed to be like a swollen sweat gland um, surgery to being told to get down to Mayo Clinic within the next two days and have more surgeries. And there were questioning, questionable things going on with my relationship with my mother at that time, but we had been fairly close, but in a not total right way. She has never really shown some true emotions that just made it harder, but I was the eldest child and she did home daycare. So we would have literally 30 kids in her home on a daily basis for all of my childhood. And I worked within that daycare, obviously, like from the time I 
could do anything. I was doing everything. So kind of mother hen on, on, on steroids is what my sister likes to call it. Cause like, I like interrogate the boyfriends and all of that. Oh, that's me. I'm like interviewing them. But to, in, in the long and short of it is my dad has been married twice. He's in the midst of a divorce right now, but he has a lot of very unhealthy tendencies. And unfortunately, he made some poor decisions and decided to take the money that was for one of my cancer surgeries when I had a reoccurrence when I was 20 and cash that check. And instead of paying it to insurance, he went and gambled it away. So I came home from having my son being born at, at 29 weeks, being sued from Mayo Clinic for that sum. And so when, pe- you know, when people say they start out with less than nothing, I was 21 years old coming home with a newborn baby and was being sued for a hundred grand almost. Hmm. And he couldn't pay it back. So we just had, I had to do what I could to make it at that point. I have thankfully some amazing support system that I rely on. Like my grandmother is amazing and I have a couple of my other distant relatives, but we've lost too many over the last few years um, that have been pretty solid, but it's always complicated when you have like a toxic parental figure too, because they tend to push people away. They literally make that part of their tactic. And so the, a lot of those got lost over the last few years due to my mother deciding that I wasn't allowed to communicate with any of my aunts, uncles, nor my grandmother, whom I was closest with my whole life. And therefore, all of that has kind of caused some unique relationships between some of my siblings and I. Some of us are close. Some of us are not. And it's just it's a, it's a unique thing because there's the age difference factor. Like they're in high school and I'm 32 and have a family type of thing. But one, I know what they went through with dealing with my father. I know, you know what I, I know what they were not taught. And so I can't fault them for certain things. Same thing with my mother's children, because my, my brother actually has a traumatic brain injury and about 12 other diagnoses from his infancy. And is still in her care and he's 15 years old and has been inpatient hospitalized multiple times and he does not deal well with anything and she's been since divorced from his father so she's actually engaged for the fourth time right now and it's not the point of those numbers that that matters what the point is is that you know she she all five of her children got together and literally had a meeting saying where is the person we knew And she, we had, it took the whole two hours to explain to her why us having to issue multiple bolos on multiple locations because you've gone missing and the sheriffs have been looking for you for three days is unacceptable behavior for an adult. So it was just, you know, it it was, it's, it's a continuous cycle of the children parenting the child. And unfortunately she also has some danger and mental instability that literally poses other dangers to other people. And I actually was very close with her at one point in the past and worked with her. I actually, my previous career was in insurance and I help people with life, their life insurance and their health insurance, because I don't want anybody to end up in the situation I did being uninsurable because I was uninsurable that day I heard the C word, let alone everything that came after. And to this day, I actually stopped telling how many surgeries I've had, but I have had more surgeries than years. I stopped counting when I hit 30 surgeries before the age of 30. So kind of the background is when your body has been in fight or flight, you're li- it literally does fall apart until you work through this, some of that stuff. You're going to carry that weight. And I think that that's the most important reason and why I share 
just my story and out there and reminding survivors is that, you know what, if you're just getting through the day right now, that's okay. But remember that just getting through the day every day is not going to be your forever. Exactly. That is so, that is so very true because I always tell people, I'm all about positivity and light, but I always tell people it's okay to not be okay. And just because you have one bad day and you lose your mind, doesn't mean you're going to mess up all of your life. And you know what? Sometimes a survivor just needs to cry, get it out and scream and go punch a pillow because you do. I, um, and when you have all that negative energy, because I'm an energy healer now, I'm understanding that we're pushing all this in. And for women in our sacral chakra, yes. which is right where your ovaries are, if you're having terrible times of the month, it is because you and or if you have fibroids, stuff like that, it is because that's where the seed of your emotions sit. And we literally push it down there the more that we don't put it out because most people in toxic families and stuff, uh, my dad shook his finger in my face and told me many times to shut up and yep. stop crying. And at 12, I finally listened to him and it was a terrible like, <laughs> yeah and um yeah. but then i started taking it in and then that's when internalizing it uh -huh. you were internalizing all and of that's it that's when i started beating myself up and telling myself you're worthless you're no good and all of that so it's okay what i i love it that um because it's a it's a challenge to go through this i'm very proud that you made it through all this because it's hard but it makes it gives us character and it helps us uh, help other people. <laughs> and, you know, here's what I want to say. And here's kind of my point is that I feel that all too often I'm hearing, well, hurt people hurt people. And there's some key words missing there. No, it's not just hurt people hurt people. Hurt people make the decision and choices to hurt other people. And therefore, that is why they are hurting other people. There are hurt people that do not make that decision or choice to hurt other people, but choose to heal. And I think they need a little bit of recognition because they get none. I feel very little. And that's why it's like, it's so important to really, I feel like I, how I word it is I know where I stand. I know what I stand up for and I know when I'll stand up for. And that's pretty often because I'm pretty vocal as you. So <laughs> that's really good. What are your thoughts, Nina? Uh, no, I really like what she said. And I wanted to touch back on that because um, I also have a narcissist uh, mother and I have a narcissist uh, baby daddy is what we'll call him. Right, right. And I recently, and that, yep. yeah, I recently had this, uh, I did this past life regression and I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Canker Man but it was about this kid who would have dreams that would come to life. And it was about yeah. like his dead parent or somebody, but like he it was cancer and the cancer right. shriveled that parent. And then when he would dream about that, um, it would come to life and haunt him. Right. But in the end of the movie, the mom, instead of running from it, she gave it a hug and it turned yeah. into a little kid. And so when I did this past life regression with this man, it's like, it was like this ginormous demon man and yep. I, instead of running and crying and screaming I hugged him and it right. turned you into this like, little boy 
Yeah. So when you, when you talk about hurt people, hurt people, narcissists and empaths come from the same background. They choose which wolf they're going to feed. You either Mm -hmm. feed the light or you feed the dark. And I, and I feel like not a lot of people are talking about that. And I feel like that's something that really needs to, you know, we need to pay more attention to that. You know, everybody needs love, but also people need boundaries, right? So if hurt people hurt people, healed people also. I guess nobody understands the word boundaries. Like legit boundaries. I didn't know what boundaries were until I until I worked in mental health and they kept saying you need better boundaries. I'm like, what is a boundary? Like I don't right. know what that means. Like I like physically I know what a boundary, but when you talk right. to me about emotional boundaries, I've never known a boundary, boundaries, so how am I supposed to know what that means? And they wouldn't teach me. They're like, you'll get right. it. You'll get it. And I'm like, but I did it. It took me, it took me six years to fully understand what having boundaries meant. So I commend it, it, you. It's hard. It's hard. That's probably hard the hardest thing. If you're never taught it, you know, if you're never taught it though, that's why I feel like those that have taught it to us ourselves, because we survived that from a relationship that had a long-term impact on our relationship is one. I, Cause my eldest child actually has a different father than my husband. I had a DV situation that I put myself into that I put in myself, but yeah, because you just like kind of gravitate together. You magnetically want to fix them, but you can't just fix another person if they don't want to be fixed. And if they choose that darkness there's just nothing you can do and thank god i got out and like whatever but the point is is like i I, it took finding a good person and like me actually it sounds awful not letting him in probably for the first like probably solid five years of our marriage like a hundred percent trusting like really telling him all the demons but it happened to be the time period that i actually had the regression where um i had very 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 few memories of my childhood very few up until seven years ago and I started getting dreams and I started reliving them. And then everything came back literally all at once snap point. And to be frank with you is that that's when a lot of relationships changed in my life, such as with my mother, when she realized like that I was actually remembering factual events is when things began to calibrate change in our relationship. And I think she knew that I was probably going to remember some of the hard truths that she had lied about. But the other fact of the matter is, is that, I think a lot of us that have lived it through more of our life than not are going to have to relive it at some point in some way to be able to understand that that's probably not the way it should have gone in order to work through the way it should have gone or what love is actually supposed to be. Because it took seeing what is normal in my husband's family and what love is supposed to be and having the relationship again with my grandmother, having that the healthy love again to be able to identify okay this is probably more manipulative and this is actually what love is supposed to be exactly and i've also found out that if you're on a healing journey and so you suppressed all those memories and and the reason why we suppress those memories what i found because a lot of stuff i don't remember but it started coming up in this past five years i've been on a healing journey and um, a lot of times you go through this traumatic, you go, you start your healing, spiritual awakening when you have a traumatic event. So mine was my, oh, yeah. that kicked it off was my 10 year mar- uh, marriage and divorce and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, and I got um, awakened, but now that I'm reliving all these karmic things, I'm like, why? And it's because you have to release them 
so you can recreate a new story and so exactly. instead of me ruminating on them and that's what I've been doing my whole life I'm 41 years old and I've been ruminating on all this crap and then I've now found that all these people that I did not like are recreating their energy just in yeah. new people so that's the one thing that makes me stick to my healing journey is that if you can't run away from your karmic lessons, if it's your no. lesson, if it's put in your story, you got to face it or you're going to spend the rest of your life running. And um, there's a song on DMX and he says, Lord, hide me. The devil's trying to find me. And he's like, F that. Tell, help give me the courage so I can tell the devil yep. to step back. And it's very yep. true. And that's kind of the point I'm at my life. I'm like, look here, devil, you're not going to keep recreating because this is a lesson to get my blessing but I can't exactly. get my blessing if I don't if I still have all that negative energy if I only have part of that lesson and then you yep. and, it, and, and it's hard though it, it let me tell you healing is hard and messy and if someone has an opinion about it I just tell them to get on with themselves because you're gonna have your own healing journey and you're gonna eat every one of those words that you're giving me my opinion about so stay on your side of the fence I'll stay on mine and um I think I'm doing just awesome and I'm gonna give you a high five for even being here today because Aww. survivors make it look really easy each one of us make it look really easy because we can sit here and smile and be happy but you know what we have been through he double hockey sticks and it's not the <laughs> trauma olympics <laughs> it's not the trauma olympics and um we don't have to compare your stories harder than my story. We just all know we've been through the trauma and we're out here like warriors because instead of being soulless narcissists, we decided, hey, I'm going to use my story and help heal someone else so they don't have to. Yes, absolutely. And I have to I have to say that because it absolutely and I, it kind of blows my mind how many, many times that I when I say this, people are like they're they're like literally I can see the gears turning, but I'm like. It, they're telling me their story and then like just in conversation they learn a factoid about my past or something like oh my god I feel so bad about that last time I was complaining I'm like why are you apologizing your story or your hardships have no effect or diminish upon my story or my hardships you have nothing to apologize for nobody's story diminishes another story or survivor Exactly. Those people don't know what to say. You know, when you tell people oh, your story yeah, that, and all this trauma, know what to say. they don't know how to respond. I've told uh, a couple people my story here recently. And they're like, I, I don't know what to say to you, you know? And it's, it's like, you don't have to say anything. Just give me a hug, you know? Like, right. <laughs> And, Sometimes and you end up just giving these people a hug while they're crying after they hear something about you. And you're just like, it's okay. It's fine. Like... <laughs> Well, we're going to ask you some questions here about your story, because um, I think this is very important. I want to normalize mental health and uh, I don't care who you are. Something's happened to everybody. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Yep. It doesn't matter where you are. So um, the whole point of this, uh, this podcast is to normalize our stories because the only reason why it's so built up is because and it's a weird because 19 is a karmic lesson number by mm -hmm. the way the whole 1900s 
has their own karmic lesson. So if you're wondering why the millennials and everybody from 2000 on are so different, it is because the 1900s, that number 19, you can look it up, but it actually, it is a, a le- we were not good in our past lives. The whole 1900s, we did a lot of shady stuff as humans. <laughs> And that's and we kept passing down the buck to more people. This is what I yeah. found out. And I've because people are like, why are the millennials so much different? Because it's a whole new generation, then they don't have the karmic lesson number 19. There's only four karmic numbers. It's 19, 14, 16, I think 13 is the other one. But I looked that up and it was so interesting because like think about the depression. That's mm-hmm. where the scarcity mindset came from because they were all going to war and people were getting bombed. And did you know when you go to like where they, uh, Hiroshima, mm-hmm. they drop the bombs, they're still picking up bombs. Those people yep. cannot live out there. They can't they go, for they, probably they go, hundreds of years. Because they're still finding bombs and exploding on the ground. Mm-hmm. They dropped that many bombs. Like, why was that even a necessary thing? Like, our, our history, that's another, <laughs> that's another topic. <laughs> well, no, and that's, but I think that there is a point to that, though, is I think that what's really important lesson of that, and even this is a conversation my grandmother and I just had the other day, actually, and it's a very valid point that I think is very, very important in this conversation, though, is her and I come from different eras where they did not, and that, but I wholeheartedly believe that's what created part of the problem where they did not talk about those things. They did not mention those words. Those were not things that were, you know, everybody was meant to put on the dress and look pretty and act accordingly for the public. It didn't matter what happened behind closed doors. And I actually just recently learned of some, some pretty serious family background history because there was just such this, this whatever over it. However, I find it quite crazy that there was this whatever over two schizophrenics being diagnosed in the family but both my grandmother maternally and grandmother paternally both gave away adopted children when they were 16 years old and all of us knew about that our entire lives i'm just like why does there need to be a stigma anywhere because you didn't there should be no problem here and even the fact is is that my my grandmother i was raised catholic okay so i i was raised catholic my grandmother was a hardcore catholic and she actually forced my parents to get married because they were 18 and were pregnant with me because of the stigma, if you will, to be within the good. But I actually have literally been said to, I apologize that I did not let you give your, your parents give you up for adoption. They probably should have. And you know what though, if I was, I don't think all of my siblings would be here. And I'm not trying to say that in an attack of anybody or in any way. I'm just saying I have been given my journey for a reason. Exactly. Absolutely. We've all walked, we all walk our path it may not make sense but now I'm learning it actually does make sense and what's even crazier before uh, we get Miss Nina to ask you um, some questions is that I've noticed that we're not just carrying our own shadow with the Mm. moment when you were a kid and your parent used you as their therapist by sharing adult stuff that you were too young that was the moment that you just adopted their shadow craziest thing because I was like I've done that before and I think it's hard to break out of that cycle though but that you recognize it says that you you know you have yeah well I have a daughter too and 
that's why I I actually my goal in life before I die is to fight as many karmic battles as I can because she's got her own stuff and and right. her dad's stuff and if I cannot and then I looked in her astrological chart and I'm like literally her karmic lessons and I'm like well I better go and clear all right. those up because I don't want her to live any of these so Miss Nina go ahead and uh ask uh ask away yes miss amanda the first question we have here is what was your breaking moment that made you say enough is enough like at what point in your healing journey did you be like i this is not it you know and like it's kind of a little bit of a crazy answer i feel like but there was a couple different ones but my first breaking point was actually when i was 15 years old and i actually have rented and paid my own way and had held a full-time job since i was 15 years old and lived out on my own just due to literally having no home and i would i would also pay rent for my mother's house and pay for my siblings but that was kind of my first breaking point that there was things that were not right and i was going to learn right from wrong elsewhere if i needed to but i was identifying things were not okay and from there there have been other things that have happened that have pushed me to a point where i push people further out of my circle such as the situation when i was 20 and 21 and coming home after being in the hospital for six months pregnant with my son and having a very complicated pregnancy and every diagnosis that I faced I have a severe disease called gastroparesis where my intestines are paralyzed and I've had several feet resected due to a very extreme almost killed us my son and I when I was pregnant complication five times over but mm. it's a, a condition that's caused from not getting enough nutrition for so long however you know so it's a direct reflection of, of a neglect that I have to deal with this disease forever. I've had a feeding tube. I go in every few weeks for IVs to get enough nutrition for it to survive because I can't actually di like absorb it digestively. And eventually someday we'll have to get additional things done. And like I've had, I've had two spine surgeries. I have a spinal cord stimulator just to walk and I have to have another spine surgery. I've had eight hip surgeries, five foot surgeries. My arm's been broken 11 times. So the the complicated factor is that I literally have the medical battles of the physicality of it on pretty extreme levels. And doctors were telling me I was very abused, no question, before I could accept it. But I also was under that person's care at the time because I was under 18 and she'd be sitting at the ER with me. So I feel that it's very important to call out that and why I say these things when asked about my breaking moment is it's not been one breaking moment. It's been multiple things that have happened in the systems that exists where has failed epically and not help the children that should have been helped when people are charged with felonies, when daycares are shut down, when there is a child with 10 broken arms, when there is a slash wound on the wrist. None of these things trigger 911. 911 calls where a child is not breathing from being drugged did not initiate a CPS call investigation in my county. I called bullcrap. And that's part of the problem and why I'm very, very vocal about I think it's important to stand up for what's right from wrong because you, if you don't stand up for the people that can't stand up for themselves, I wouldn't be okay with it. So I do. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that's yes. why, that's why a lot of people don't call, you know, that things, <laughs> exact things like that is, uh, I've seen daycares. I actually had my daughter at a daycare. We won't mention names 
it's a very popular one and i had the lady actually come out and get in my face she's about 300 pounds and six foot tall and tried to beat me up and she actually hit me with her belly and then she got all the people around me because she was an artist like i have this narcissist karmic lesson and then she had everyone she shamed me in front of everyone and i and i called cp i called everybody on them they told me I have to have this documentation. I was like, mm -hmm. she is a threat. And she's watching we, little we kids. We live in a world where it's not upon the, it's upon the victim, period. It is crazy. And that's the and stigma. Okay. That's, that's yep. the biggest stigma, I feel like, when people start actually speaking up about the abuse, the neglect. <laughs> that's when they're met with just a bunch of shenanigans. And I think that's, yep. that's why a lot of people are starting to speak out and come together and rise together because that's how we're going to end that's up what's making a bigger make the difference. Absolutely, like you, I agree. And you, each of you, each of you guys doing what you're doing in each of us, that's, that's what's needed for the change that needs to happen to happen, I think. I truly do. Is those that have been awakened, those of us that have made it enough through the journey to help others along the beginning of theirs or wherever they may be help. That's all it is. That's all it is, but it's pretty powerful stuff. And I, and yeah. you don't have to be fully healed by the way, to no, start you helping out others. Fully healed. You are never exactly. fully healed. It's a lifelong process. We're never going to be done. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, when I got a healing journey, when I started this journey out, I got gaslighted into think um i actually had a podcast host which i made her delete my video because she upset me so much because i told her my story and i didn't like the way that she my story sounded like i was trailer trash and i was like whoa 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 my parents aren't over there like you're building the right. wrong story for me and um she told me well me and my girls are healed and you have to be some strong aggressive goddess and i was like who are I'd be you like, excuse you yeah i was like you're wow. not a woman and you need to get out of your masculine okay because if i want to cry and i want to be sad about something i'm never gonna shame someone and be like how dare you stop start crying you're mm -hmm. talking about your trauma I don't understand I people, thinking, but I like the strong men from the army, just maybe a few too many beers in, but just bawling another as woman? my friends that I've known. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you are, wherever you are. That doesn't matter at all. Exactly. As long as you're being a good person and not hurting somebody, I like heal. Share you're going to be story. healing forever. It's just what gauge you're on. Exactly. And share your story. Uh, and that's why we I created this whole podcast because I want people to start having conversations and if I bother you with my mental health and it makes you uncomfortable ask yourself why why mm. does it make you so uncomfortable yes. and I tell people yes. that because you know what it's life and yes yeah, some things I've been told and I'm like whoa I didn't go through that but I could only imagine but I would never be like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just going to turn off my ears now because I can't handle that. Well, you can't handle the truth of life, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I want to ask you this. Uh, what, it, yep. what do you feel is the meaning of an impact of victim versus survivor? And why is that distinction important? It's epically important, I think. I think there is a huge... There's many, many differences that, that I believe that that's so important. I, I am an extremely big believer 
in the power of words and the power of choice of words. And I also wanted to like, the most important thing to me is that you have to realize the power of what you are inputting and what you are outputting to yourself and to those around you. And I, in my experiences, I've never met somebody that has not gotten that they they're when they're beginning to identify and realize that the things that have been done to them are wrong. There's certain triggers that are obviously like automatic, like, yes, you are, are a, yeah, that's essay. That's I, you know, there's a distinct line. However, there's also people that when you're, you're still just figuring it out, putting it together and you may be considering mentally yourself a victim. You're realizing that maybe that wasn't okay, but there is a moment when you realize, you know what? I do not have to be a victim forever. I'm frick that I'm not going to be a victim forever. I am a survivor. I survived this. I got past this. I have a good life. I found somebody who loves me. I, you know, whatever that means to you to make you happy. I got my job. I have my, whatever that your life is to you that you're happy with. That's all that matters. And I think that there's an actual process that goes on when you go from victim to survivor to warrior when you consider yourself you know what I'm proud of what I've been through because it's made me who I am and it's a word choice and I think that I I truly have seen where I've met a lot of people who are just just beginning to, to figure out like I don't think this is okay stuff and they're still identifying as victims but when people get to that point where they're like I ain't a victim no more I'm a survivor it's powerful it, it is super powerful. And I feel that's when you start, uh, when you start shifting into that, that's when you start getting your power back. And that's when people lose their control over you because the number one reason why people don't talk about it is control. If somebody gets mad at you and they're yelling at you, they're trying and they're telling you to do certain things that don't jive with your, you they're trying to control you. So I always like, I don't know, we're both Pisces and we're very into like Pisces are the most intuitive people on the planet. But I also know that we're empaths and not narcissists love them some Pisces to control because they get up in our head. We don't know what to do with a Leo. I'm just going to say a Leo with three A's. Oh, I'm a Leo moan. I love Leos. I grow up. I got I got good old boys club still running my hometown that I'm moving back to. I'm actually sitting in the house that I'm buying is actually the house that I ran away from when I was 15 years old. My stepdad died. He actually knew he was sick. He did not tell any of his four children in September. And it ended up being, I'm buying it. So we've been working on it since ourselves since November and redid the entire house. But it's a house that I left that I never thought I'd be stepping foot on again at 15 years old. 17 years wow. later, I'm buying it. That's pretty powerful. Pretty. That, that's, that's good that's for pretty you. Epic. That, like, that, that, that's that's like definitely taking back your power. Of, yeah, exactly. So next question is Nina. Yes. Okay. So the next question I have is what does a daily self-care routine look like every day so that you can keep your mind, body, and soul balanced and centered since your experiences? That is so flipping important. And I think that I'm going to tie that right back into input output. You best be monitoring what you're taking in first thing in the morning for quite some time. And I'm a person that YouTube is my best friend. And the fact is, is we have so many tools at our fingertips. You can hear some of the most powerful motivation. Some of the people that have come from nowhere, giving the best speeches ever of all time on repeat, if you want. 
if you find one that speaks to your heart. But so I think that that's really important to really get a good, get good vibes in, get good positive words and get good language in your control, get good mental places. And there's so many channels that are dedicated to even people that are going through hard times, but, and then also finding something that when you're ready to do a little bit more healing, that which is more like podcasts or books or working on that. And I'm also, obviously I'm a writer, so I'm going to advocate writing everything down, but one way or another, getting things out, if is just as important as what you're taking in you have to like have some way to like positively get things out because if you just keep it in i've seen unfortunately i've seen what severe abuse can do to many different types of just internalizing it or lashing out at people or just trying to logicalize the way out of it because i have seven younger siblings that i've seen deal with some shit and it's part in the language, but that's, that's just the, the reality of it is that I know pushing it down and nothing don't work. I know that, it's, you know, whatever. The point is, is that you have to let positive and you have to let the negative out and you have to find what actually is important to yourself. And that's going to look different to every person. And for me, like my writing has been my healing, but I've also striven to strove to be a writer since I was like forever. I don't even know how long. So that's like also like what I want to do. And it may be something totally different to somebody else. They, maybe music, just listening to music is their way of, of getting like their emotions out, but do that, make sure you're doing that. And also take care of your body while you're going through all that process. Don't forget to still wash your face. Even if you don't want to get out of bed, I don't care. Use makeup, but you the freaking baby wipes. I don't care. Just do that little action if it's a buying a wig or I don't care, however big or small it is at that moment, you have to do the, those three things of really intake outtake and, and really getting what you need to do to heal on somehow. That, that is awesome. so, tr that is so true because you know, the first thing I, I always tell people too, is when the first thing you wake up, say, thank you. You want your, yep. your gratitude attitude. And it's all about saying uh, if you want to manifest good, start saying thank you. And I actually say thank you to my experiences. So now yep. when I have stuff that comes through that I don't like, instead of I used to get really mad and say, why me? Why am I? Why does the universe hate me? And at some point I lost my faith. And why does God hate me? And then I was like, wait a minute. These were. And then I found out through all this that I made all these choices and I made a lot of stuff like and whatever you have to be on a different level to understand that it all happens uh, for a reason truth. and past lives mm. and stuff but for me to internalize that finally now I'm learning to say thank you every time something's messed up every time an opportunity doesn't go through because now I've learned that the universe the universe's rejection is always your protection so if something doesn't go through and if even I don't get the job, going through it. <laughs> even though it sucks, like I want that job, but I didn't get it. There's oh. something my angels saw that wasn't good for me. And that's the only reason why it's taken from you. So, but by do by being in that mindset now, it's helped me shift from victim. It's empowering. To, that mindset's empowering. Yeah. Like, it's like probably the hardest pill to swallow, but also the most self impactful and powerful thing to realize that your life is the summation of your choices 
Exactly. Yes. But I also think it's important to note that there's a grieving process that comes along. They're in their once, you, once you recognize that maybe you were abused, neglected, whatever, you know, in order to shift your mind, you have to go through the grieving process in order to get to the next level. Some people stay stuck in, in the grieving process, you know, and I think no that's a lot. Timeline for like, that. There's like nothing. They, I, right. I just, like, I, that's such a, such a valid point. And there's like no right answer to it either. Like, that's the point. I, I was just like, that's such a valid point. There's no, it, there's no right or wrong way. I remember that I wanted to talk about the grieving process and everybody like goes through their, they're talking about like the narcissist and the empaths. Like, and the control. To... Yes. Well, I feel I think... like it's almost like this absorption phase where I know I like, it's a grieving process for what you've been through. And you're also usually like kind of like a sponge during that point too. And that's why like, but you have to realize, and that's, I think you're grieving for yourself for what you've been through. But unfortunately, like I see a lot of attraction to wanting to feel better at that time where too many people get hurt again. And I just, it's, you have to realize that the most important thing at that point is, is just yourself. Self. And you do get stuck in the grieving process and, I was saying about how you get up and say thank you to the universe. And instead of being losing your faith and thinking everything's happening to you, I've learned how to shift into a different mindset of it's happening for me. So I say yep. thank you thank to you all those things that are happening. Yeah. And, and it's like, people are like, how can you think that that happened to me? Well, apparently my soul needed to learn this lesson. Your yep. soul didn't need to learn this lesson. That's why you're not going through it. I am. <laughs> and then it, I went through a whole grieving process when I first started because it's a big pill to swallow to know that you are the reason why all this is happening. And you're, you're going, you came here, you wrote your plan before you came on this earth. That's what I'm understanding. So I literally wrote my whole play out before I came down and I'm like, come on, when I get up there, we're going to write a better story. Next time. <laughs> what was going on here? Come on now. What was I thinking? And I told myself, oh, I can handle five karmic lessons. And my angels were like, girl, you don't want to try to handle all those. I'm like, I'm Jesse. I can do it. And they're like, well, we warned you, but have fun with that. Mm. <laughs> right? No, I feel that. Mm. I feel that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so my soul feels that. I'm like, mm-hmm. Like, it's like that moment where you're like, there's that saying, God only gives you as much as you can handle. And you're thinking, okay, God, I know you got a plan here, but I'm tired. Okay? And I know you think I'm this warrior, but can we just... For a little bit. Just can we just bit. stop? Can we just stop? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you, what does it mean when there's a lifelong disease and treatment required to survive and due to the levels of neglect in your adolescent life, but then you also have two children to raise. And I know mm. one of them you said has autism and Miss Nina has children with two. autism as well. Two children. Two. Yes. Yep. So how do you, how do you juggle all that? Because I know there's a lot of moms out here with autism and then mm -hmm. they have their own health issues. It's hard. Some days it can be a hard day. 
I know it it's, can. There are days that are really hard days. And I'll be honest with you is like, I'm pretty darn lucky, but it's also the biggest challenge is my son is, he's what would have been called Asperger's, but he's very high functioning on the autism level where he, at, he's actually like savantism in uh, science and math, which are like my least strong, strong suits ever. And so that's like dad time. Like I do not get numbers like, no, but the struggle is, is that honestly, it's a little bit harder too for me to deal with because Caleb actually has autism as well as severe ADHD. And then he also get, they're called night terrors and then the walking nightmares and the sleepwalking on a regular basis because of the level he doesn't absorb things correctly either because I was literally so sick while I was pregnant with him and had so many surgeries while pregnant that I had five while he was in utero and then he was taken by emergency c-section at 29 weeks he was several months early and both my boys actually were NICU warriors so Elijah my youngest one was born at 32 weeks and Caleb was born at 29 almost 30 weeks and to be frank with you is I have had my like doctors when I go for like my GI doctors and like the doctoring that's all taken to really get those answers. It's a, not a quick process. It's a multi-year, multi-facility process. They're like, so I see you birthed this child in this year and who's caring for them? I'm like me. And I literally, he's like, no, you're not. He like argued with me that there's no possible way that somebody in my condition with just one of my diseases could be caring for at that time. I think he was about four. And then I said, no, I care for him. I'm home with him hundred percent of the time. And he also does have autism. He had just been diagnosed at that time. He got diagnosed when he was four years old. We knew that he would have challenges and there was just different indicators and, and things, but there's a really, really, really sharp line you have to draw when you physically have your own health issues. Like there are times where I have a weight limit where I cannot lift my toddler. And my toddler's a big boy. Like I have both boys and they are both built like tanks. So I'm on a four month, I can't lift or bend or shift. And my baby wanted to be held. Like that breaks your heart a little bit on its own, let alone like, then my older one really didn't want those hugs. So now it's a little bit harder when my younger one that doesn't have autism wants that love. And then I just, I physically can't at that time because I'm like dealing with an incision or something. So I think it's just really giving yourself a little bit of grace on all ends. Or even if you're, if you have no other health issues and you just are the struggles of a special needs child is that of in itself, a very hard battle. Everyday excursions going to the super the, the supermarket is not the same as it is without not being able to to go to fairs the same way with his brother as the other one it's just it's it's all unique so you have to just kind of remember that I think is the hardest part of it and I think it would be most appropriate for Miss Nina to chime in right now because you are a mother with two special needs children that's where I think that being built as God's warriors comes in. Like you can't really rely on yourself. Mm. You got to rely on that higher source. You know what I mean? And there for a long time, I was trying to do it by myself. And, you know, and even though right. I've been going to therapy since I was 14, you know, it's, it's hard to connect with people who have not been through the experiences. And right. I remember a while back, I saw this meme and it was a late, it was a girl sitting on her knees next to a boy sitting on his knees. She had like 1800 
knives in her back and he had I think three. I know which one you're talking about yeah and it was like you know sometimes we have to weather the storm so that we can help other people and that's what I truly feel like empaths are we have to go through all of these things to help other people heal mm-hmm. and so when it comes to being a mom who has kids who are autistic like there are days where I'm like I didn't choose this life but I did right. and even if I don't recall doing it uh, God thought that I was strong enough right. to do it. And, and I have to keep that faith. I have, I have such big faith. I, I feel like I don't even deserve it. And there are days I'm like, why am I still standing? Why am I still, I have people in my family that just be like, how are you still here? And I'm like, I don't know. I actually have a question for you on that though. Then like, I mean, I guess me personally is I have no doubt, no question, no whatever is I don't think I would have fought as hard or as long as hard without having my children if there had not been a baby 11 almost 11 years ago life would have been totally different if there had not been another baby almost four years ago it'd be a lot different because I wouldn't have been fighting just for if I was fighting just for myself and I think that's what mothers like there's just that extra like I don't know what do you want to call it mama bear mode that kicks in for your babies but then you realize like hey I was somebody's baby too but I wasn't. So I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to figure it out. So I know what's right. Not going to give up on my kids because that's what I feel like a lot of survivors feel like their parents gave up on them because it was just too hard. And that's one thing. uh, I wasn't even supposed to have kids. I have a pituitary tumor and I literally magically God mm-hmm. literally woke me up one day and I wasn't feeling right. And I went and took six pregnancy tests because I was like my first kid I had when I was 16 and I lost it. And then six years later, I literally wake up and I'm pregnant. And I was like, if you're, that's not God's miracle, then I don't know what is. And ever yep. since she's given me that and her um, dad tried to make me a mental mess because that's what narcissists do. I'm very proud that I fought through the battle and I still gave her that love because I look Mm -hmm. on my pictures and I'm like, you know what? You're awesome because no matter what has transpired between all this messiness of divorce and all this, my daughter cannot say that um, her mom didn't love her. And I tell her all the time, tell your kids you're sorry. It is okay, but don't tell them I'm sorry. Tell them, I tell her all the time, I love you. I was not in a men- right mental state. If I hurt your feelings, if I mm-hmm. said something to you that was not right, I apologize. I am learning. And just by doing that, I know that that just broke open floodgates of, of you know opportunities. what I say? on that is like just just very important like if nothing else is like receptive in it is i'm i'm pretty you know i'm a little bit scared for where the world is at right now but i know we're going to make some changes and make it happen but but at the same time i'm pretty darn hopeful because i know my children are the most empathetic most emotionally validating kind human beings i've ever met as children and i've met a lot of children but the point is is that i you know i'm proud of that and they're also i'm kind of scared that i'm pretty sure my 4 year old and 11 year old can outsmart me like logically argument so I'm scared almost for that teenage years, but the point is, is I have very intelligent, very kind, very caring, empathetic little humans that I've raised, and I think you guys do too, 
And they better be prepared for those generations coming in too. Girl, you are not wrong. I have my, my oldest boy is almost 12 and he's like his mouth. I, you know, I remember when I was about his age, I didn't say nothing to nobody because I just didn't, I didn't want to be seen. Um, But this kid is like, here I am. Look at me. And it's sometimes it's like, my four-year-old literally walks into the store and goes, I'm silly, and he'll do like a dance. And he just makes like, I don't care. It could be somebody arguing and yelling at a cashier. They start laughing, but like, hey, dude, hey, dude. Like, they just give off this awesome, like, everybody's just happy around them. And it's so fun going places with them. But it's like, you know what? That's what a healthy, happy child is. Yes. That's sunshine and human form right there. Yep. Exactly. Well, we're going to we're going to wrap this up, but I need to ask the very last question. I'm very excited to have you here and I know that your story is a super huge blessing for so many people out here because the impact of just sharing sharing it with other people to let them have permission to tell their story is very empowering in itself. Miss Nine is going to ask you a question and then we're going to wrap her up. Yes, yeah, so uh, Miss Amanda what guidance would you give to fellow survivors out there that are doing a similar toxic dance? I feel um, the biggest advice I'd want to give is don't, don't second guess yourself. If you feel something's wrong, if you're questioning it, like at any point, just trust yourself and your gut and your heart to know if it is or it's not and, and reach out for help when you do need that. If you need just, sometimes they may just be that you need somebody to talk to that can kind of just have an ear and you don't even need words. Or sometimes if you're at a point where you should probably be going to get help more professionally that you, you need to be diagnosed to be able to get more levels of help with more of a complex situation. But I think that's like the biggest lesson in, in all of it that needs to be heard is there is no shame in it doing this in May, but there is absolutely no shame in mental illness whatsoever. In fact, I strongly believe that the shame, the sham of shame over mental illness is what caused a lot of these issues in the first place. So I think that being not afraid of speaking up and standing up and knowing that you are never alone because the biggest key to saying survivor, I believe, is they also automatically say, you know what, we also stand up for every other survivor once we hit that point. So if you need me to stand up for you, I will. And everybody that's a, a survivor should know that there are those warriors amongst us, that there are some people that are not comfortable with that point, but there are those of us that are, and we are not few in numbers. We're far too many in numbers, in my opinion, that there should not be this many that have this much healing to do, but we can change that for the next generation. Yes. Amen. Yeah, I absolutely love you. Like, I, 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 you are such a survivor. Thank I, you. I appreciate that a lot. I'm so glad that you came here and shared your story. Now, I know that you're a writer and you're putting out a book um, probably this summer, you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have another podcast, which is um, for my writers out there. And so maybe we'll have you back on there to share your book and tell us what you're, what you're working on going forward. And if, um, give out your details, if you have um, any organizations or anything you want to share, mm-hmm. uh, if people want to come and they want to chat with you. So there's a couple different things actually that um, are different projects that I'm working on that are in conjunction with this, but uh, kind of mentioned, but I, I actually worked on my book. I had it almost completely written for about five years. 
And I took all of that document and all of the notebooks that had been that and kind of just tossed it all about three months ago. I just, this, the way the story was being told just did not fit what I've been going through as of late. And uh, so I ended up, it's actually, it, it's called Looking Back, Letters to My Past. And it's formulated in the time frame from kind of my earliest memories up through now, uh, me looking back now at those points back at seven years old, 12 years old, 15, etc. But just remembering of what I'd want to say back to that shy, quiet girl that was too scared to call and order a pizza, that that there there's a reason and what I would just want to say at that point in that struggle, as well as my health struggles during each of those points. So I re- that's how I constructed the story. But I th- think it's very important to also showed the message that warriors are not few in numbers and they're pretty darn amazing people. And that's why I decided to make it a project where a section of the book is actually going to have, I don't know how many yet, it depends on how many people want to do it, but I have a couple that are for sure and with my publisher because we're self-publishing, but is sharing a letter to themselves that they would want to write to the less healed version. Doesn't matter how long ago past it was. It could be six months past. It could be 60 years past. It doesn't really matter. The past is the past and the present is the present. And you have to move forward with the future with a goal in mind. And that's where kind of actually there's been photo shoots done at the house and stuff where showing that you can take back that power if you really set your mind to it, even if the doctors tell you you're never going to walk again, even if you've code blued twice, even if you've had cancer, you can be disabled, you can be mentally ill, and you can still do magical things. It doesn't, it, it doesn't mean anything other than what you make of it. Exactly. Hey, you know, that just uh, popped, this just popped up in my mind. So I don't know if spirits popping it up, but I watched a TikTok the other day about ADHD kids. Somebody mm-hmm. had, but this kid was more on the um, autism spectrum yeah. of Asperger's. And they said, please don't, please don't go up to someone who has autism, kids with autism, and say, I'm sorry. Because, yeah, like, first of all, so yeah. Free. It's so free. Thank yeah. you. So he, and I, and I really feel like I wanted to share this point. Thank um, you. Being that I have two ladies here with autism kids because that never I've never told somebody I'm sorry your kid's missing a leg never like just came up and randomly said hey sorry your kid's missing a chromosome like what the hell but I I wanted to put out that when you have ADHD kids and actually indigo children I'm um probably have ADD ADHD I have a lot of things but I stay away from doctors because um I, I'm good. My friend who's a psychologist, though, I'll just say that is I've had my best friend that known me since I was 14. I was like saying, I think I might be. She's like, Amanda, no, you do. Yeah. You do. You have ADD. You have ADHD. No question. So like, well, I, was, I, but I get exactly what you're saying. Well, my thing is, is that I've told people, hey, I tried to get help when I was younger and everybody told me I was fine because they don't want to deal with me. So this is why I tell people because my story is, is that I've begged for help. I have begged for help. And they told me, you're fine. I've had all the doctors shame me. So there's like, you have different people that find therapists. And then you have people like me that um, can't. It, figure it, it out and teach themselves. On the point of um, ADHD kids, those kids that you have are little angels. And they were made up 
different. And I'm telling you is about the indigo children. Spirit came and dropped in indigo children. Uh, the first ones came in the 50s. And they're people like me. I'm an indigo child. We came mm -hmm. to be like Robin Hood and be the warriors and to right the wrongs of the world. And then I have a crystal child. So this is something you guys can go look up. But that's what I tell people when you have kids on the autism spectrum, when you have kids on the ADHD, whatever it is, you're freaking geniuses, man. You were made differently and maybe to society standards, you're annoying or you're loud or whatever. But really, to be honest, they were made that way specifically to change the mindset because I was made yes. weird and crazy and whatever I am, because if I wasn't, people wouldn't acknowledge me. I wouldn't be able to change your mindset because I would just be like the rest of the pigeons walking around. But when people come across me, I know I'm memorable. So I, I own whatever... Uh, you're not your diagnosis, but if you are, no. like, I tell you people, you want to hear I my don't... answer to that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, just like what I tell people when they say it, when they come up or like whatever, they say, "I'm sorry, you have this," or "I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry, your son has." I said, "Why are you sorry that we are, we think differently?" I absolutely love it. His brain is beautiful, and just because you deem me a disability or his his brain a disability doesn't make it one we're specially abled. Thank you. I just deem people closed-minded when they need to tell me <laughs> something. I'm like, that's okay. And my favorite thing is to tell people, this conversation isn't going to make sense to you right now. I get it. Give it about five or 10 years and you're going to be like, oh my God, that girl made sense. Mm. And that is part of an empath journey. And that's part of a, a warrior's journey. So I really thank you that you're here and that you shared your story with us. And I know it'll, it'll help impact a lot of people out there that are going through similar struggles. I agree. I, um, how can people reach you if they would like to get, get in touch with you? If you follow me on TikTok, I have some kind of strict rules on social media, not on certain platforms due to a safety thing. But anybody, I do read the direct DMs of t that I get off TikTok if anybody wants to reach out to me and I can give my email if they're interested and in, they can reach out. And I, I read all my emails. I read all of that. And if there's anybody that has any questions or about any of the the stories and then I'm actually working on launching it's a, a project but more of a positivity a little bit of a tour along with the book of it's called Minnesota Nicer or MN Nicer um, but that's more of like public speaking going out so if any that has not launched yet but mandycfab.com is a website it's just not actually like fully built yet but you'll be able to check out and hopefully about a month and a half two months but mandycfab.com actually is going to be the home base for all of those things the book the tour, the uh, Minnesota Nicer, and just the positivity movement in, in within the Warriors, the Warriors as well. Awesome. And all your details are going to be, because I put them at the bottom of this YouTube video. The easiest way to reach me is my main TikTok, which is uh, Amanda Carlson, which is spelled out A-M-A-N-D-A-C-A-R-L-S-O-N, 625, 625 is my username on there. That's my main one. Awesome. So we'll have uh, people go to your TikTok. I really appreciate you coming and sharing your story. And I'm very grateful that, uh, to have you as a guest. 
Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. It was you awesome meeting you both. I, if ain't nobody told you lately, girl, you worth it. You're like, yeah. you are the one of the strongest chicks I've I've met recently. And I just, I feel like you needed uh, to know that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I kind of did a little bit. Thank you. I, I do. I appreciate it. And, I, and it, this was really good actually that happened tonight because it distracted me from stressful tomorrow. So both of you have done a lot for me too that you don't even, you don't even know. So thank you. Well, we're so happy to have you and to share your story. Well, there you have it, beautiful souls. Another powerful guest that has learned to survive their swim in the toxic waters and break up with their toxic dance partner, fear. If you need help trying to find a new dance partner, please reach out to myself, Nina, or our guest on the show today and let us show you how a single four-letter word can change your mindset permanently. And that four-letter word is love. With love, all things are possible. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Dancing in the Toxic Shadows. Until we meet again, this is Jess Intuitive Angel Healer sending healing angel vibes. Love and light, everybody. Take care. Mm-hmm.